Hey, is everybody ready for a fun night? Yeah. I know I am. We're going to have a lot of fun tonight. So with that, we're, we've got a special night. I started off trying to figure out, you know, exactly where we wanted to go with this uh, message tonight. And so I enlisted the help of my wife. So throughout uh, this tonight, she's going to be helping. And um, we've got a couple of uh, stools or something that's coming up. And once they get here, we'll, we'll call her on up. But uh, I, I just want to thank Pastor Barb for trusting us enough to let us uh, actually speak to you. Um, you know, you don't want just anybody to get up and, and speak to the folks that God's given you charge over because she has to give an account for that. And uh, if she lets Bozo in here, she's going to say, why did you do that? You know, and so you don't, you don't want to make those kind of mistakes or errors. Um, but tonight, we're going to be talking uh, specifically about the vision of faith builders. And I'm excited to be able to be a part of this. I'm excited to be a part of this house. We believe that God has put us here for when we are in town. Uh, we travel a lot. So as a result, I'm not here um, as often as I would like, um, but we definitely know that God's going to do some great things. So, honey, why don't you come on up and join, join me? And, and just by the way, I do like to hold hands uh, We've been married uh, 38 years this year. But I'm only 29. That's right. I look pretty good for 85, don't I? All right. I'd like you to take out your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. And I'm reading most of the scripture tonight out of the ESV. And it reads like this. So the churches were strengthened in the faith. Everybody say that. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And they increased in numbers daily. One more time. And they increased in numbers daily. Father, we thank you so much for this time we have to come together to be in your presence, to be in your word. We love you so much, and we thank you for the opportunity to share your word with your people. Holy Spirit, I look to you as the greater one who dwells within me to accurately deliver this word with all boldness and confidence. I'm believing that tonight is a marked time, a kairos moment, if you will, for us to, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches. We love you, and we thank you for it tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Now... We're going to be sharing a lot about uh, us personally and uh, also ministry, what God is doing, and how we believe it relates to what's taking place here at Faith Builders. So my goal tonight really is to share some insights from the Word of God uh, concerning vision and church organizational principles. So I believe that before the night's over, you're going to be greatly encouraged. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, my prayer is that we'll all be challenged, changed, and championing the vision of Pastor Barb for this house. So with those thoughts in mind, let's dive into what I believe God has for us tonight. For many of us, uh, we weren't quite sure two years ago what was going to be taking place. And I remember on January 5th, 2020, I delivered a message to my home church at the time that in the year 2020, God was going to radically change what was happening in the church. That by the end of the year, we would not recognize church as, as we had. Now, at that point in time, nobody knew what COVID was. Nobody had a clue what was going to be taking place, really. And so God did, and he knew that there were going to be radical changes that were taking place. But now that we're coming out of COVID, one of the things I've noticed is many churches are trying to go back and recoup 
what they had prior to COVID. Now, hear me carefully. God did not create it. He's not the author of it. But God will take any situation and use it for the glory, His glory, because He works all things together for good to those that love Him are called according to His purpose. We're called according to His purpose. And He said, I'm going to take this time and do something that most of my pastors were afraid to do. See, he took us through a trial and started cutting some stuff off. Now, listen, I've been in full-time ministry for over 40 years. I know what it's like to not want to offend anybody. But I'm also at a point in my life where I really don't care. Okay? So that's... Now, I don't set out to offend people. I don't set out to be belligerent. I don't set out to do any of that. But if the word offends somebody, I really don't care, right? Because the word is truth. And sometimes we have to speak truth if we want to reap the fruit of truth, right? So during this time of COVID, I realized that trials always burn out that which doesn't belong. It's just, it's just the nature of what fire does. Fire burns out things that don't belong. Now, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 28, verses 3 through 5. Paul has just gone through a harrowing experience, and they've had a shipwreck. Now, if you remember, he tried to warn everybody, don't take this journey. If you take this journey, it's going to be a problem for everybody. Nobody listened. They thought they knew better because in the natural, they were the experts, now hear me, in the natural, they were the experts. But Paul said, I know what God has said. If we do this, this will happen. But the experts said, we're doing it anyway. So they head out, and sure enough, they get into storms. The ship's going to go down. They're ready to abandon everything and leave everything they know. But then Paul says, I had an angel of the Lord stand by me this night and tell me this. Guess who wants to listen now? The experts. When everything in the natural fails, people turn to what they've never turned to before and they'll listen to what they've never listened to before. Through this entire COVID season, we have heard expert after expert after expert, tell us how to navigate the waters of COVID. And when they're done and we've still gone through the storm and everybody's overboard, people are turning to something they may have never turned to before. And that's God. This is the greatest opportunity we've ever had or we've ever seen. Well, after this happens, what, what takes place in Acts 23? Or 28, starting with verse 3. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, they're on the Isle of Malta now, and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. Now think about that. A viper comes out and fastens onto his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. Though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Hmm. Pastor Barb, would you come stand right here for a moment? She's gone through some fires. She's gone through some trials. She's gone through some shipwrecks. Anybody that's been in ministry from one day has all those, right? So she's been through it. I know she's, I don't have to go into her past. I don't have to go into to how long she's been in ministry. I know what she's gone through. Been there, done that, still doing it, right? But there's something that drives us beyond that. It's the purpose and it's the plan and it's the will of God. Now, when everything in the natural fails and the ship went down for Paul, all the natives, all those around, 
that knew what was going on, or so they thought, they knew the viper, as soon as it attacked, what happened? She's going down. She's going to die. She can't survive. She's not going to make it. <laughs> See, everybody thought she was anointed, but no, the viper got her. Everybody thought that this was going to go someplace. No. No, we know what's, we really know what's going on. We're native. But what did she do? Oh, sorry. Guess what went in the fire? The viper. The viper was trying to, listen, that viper just looked like another stick until the fire got turned up. And in any church, you can be seated now, I just, in any church, in any congregation, in anything that's going on, everybody looks the same. You don't know there's a difference until the fire gets turned up. And being able to preach all over the world, I see churches that go through trials and tribulations that are strong. And it's not because they're the greatest preachers, they got the most resources or anything else. It's because the trial has brought something out in them that said, we are now resolved. We are not going to quit. We're not going to give up. There's nothing you can bring at us that can destroy us because we've been through the worst. I'll preach myself happy. He, however, shook off the creature. I like the way it puts it. Just shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. Now, if you look at things in the natural, you could say, hmm, attendance down, finance down. Look at the building. What are we going to do? <laughs> it's fire season. Or you can adopt the vision of Paul that says, <clears throat> that's just a moment. I took the viper so you didn't have to. Hear me carefully when I say this. We all wrestle with this who've ever been in ministry. And it wasn't, I mean, when I first started ministry, I thought everybody left the church, it was my fault. I screwed up, I messed up, I did something wrong. And you know what? There was probably some truth in that. But then I also found out this. That when the word says the shepherd will leave the 90 and 9 to find the one lost sheep, the key word there is Lost. So you don't go after a wandering goat. You don't chase after a snake. You don't go after that. And thank God for a fire that cut off wandering goats and slippery snakes. They were always like that. You just didn't see it because there was no fire. I don't care what name you attach to them prior to that. Well, they're, they're a believer. No, we got to be careful what we throw around. They may be born again, but there's a difference between somebody who's born again and somebody who's a Christian. See, you can be born again and on your way to heaven but not be Christ-like. You can be born again and on your way to heaven and not believing for anything. And what God is about to do here at Faith Builders is take a handful of committed core people and say, I'm going to take those that went through the fire, they went through the disaster, they went through everything else, I'm putting my hand upon them, I'm releasing my anointing in this season, and where they're going, nobody can stop them. Why? I've been through the worst. See, I know that in the church, sometimes people think it's a democracy. It isn't. Never has been. It's a theocracy. It's God ruled. It's God inspired. It's God anointed. It's God appointed. And it's purchased with the blood of Jesus. And anything less than that is not what God has for his people. So we've got to understand God's purpose. And what it is that he's doing and acting through 
his living agent on planet earth, which is his church. And it's for his glory alone. So how do we clearly and concisely see sometimes people see it clearly, but they never enact it. Sometimes people want to enact it, but they can't see. So how do we clearly and concisely understand the purpose that God has for us? Well, I'm going to go through a few things tonight that, that I believe will help us. The first thing I want to go through is the body of Christ. Now, I'm going to need some volunteers for this. So um, I think six or seven. Let me see. How many, do, how many do I need up here? I didn't count them. Uh, and Pastor Barb, I need you. You're, gonna, you're, you're one of those that need to be up here. And, and can somebody get Pastor Barb a chair? Uh, because she's going to need a chair sitting right over there by the drums. Okay, then I need five more volunteers, I guess. I need five, five more volunteers. Huh? Yeah. What's that? No, you, you, you can come on up here. You can come on up here. I need five volunteers up here. Okay, if we're going to progress in the Lord, we got to count. There's four. Okay, we need one more. All right. Here we go. Now, I have some cards here that are going to describe your part in the body. So we're going to let the ladies go first. Sorry. <laughs> and you get to pick one card, and this is what you are. Okay, now, I would like you to tell me what you are. Ear. You're an ear. I'm a hand. You're a hand. I'm the butt. <laughs> Foot. Elbow. Okay. And Pastor Barb? I'm the head. Okay. All right. Now, the first thing we're going to do is we know according to the word that every part of the body is necessary. 1 Corinthians 12. And I was going to take time and go through the entire passage and read it to you, but I think we'll get the point. If you'd like to read it, for those that would like to follow along, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 27. Now, we're going to have a race, but the only thing you can use is the body part you are. Okay? So let's line up over here on the starting line. And I need you to use only the body part you are. Okay. Okay. Now. Everybody on your mark? Sis, you can only use your elbows. You're on your feet. Okay? So here we go. On your mark. Get set. Go. Everybody. You can use both your feet. We'll let you. Oh, wait, no. We got a little. We got a winner. Hand came in second. At least the butt's got some movement going on. Now, how many of you know that everybody in the body of Christ is necessary? Why didn't the ear win the race? Okay, so the ear is supposed to listen. All right, I need my foot 
to come over here and take this chair. And I need you to sit right there. You're the foot. You're the ear. You can hear, right? I want you to take your foot and tell her that. Okay? Okay, go ahead. All right. What was he telling you? Okay. What is the ear supposed to do? Hear. There's nothing wrong with her hearing. The problem was a foot can't speak. He won the race, but he can't speak. If you're running a race, who do you want? You want the feet, right? You got to have the feet. But if you need somebody to say something, you got to have a mouth which comes out of the head. Now, let's take this direction and we're going to make it just really, you can't look, you're just an ear. Tell her that. What does she need? Chili. Chili. How hard was that? The mouth spoke, the ear heard, and guess what? It was communicated what was necessary. Now, would you please tell the ear this? Exactly. The ear heard the command, but the ear can't carry it out. What is necessary to get the guitar? Feet? Hands? The feet's not going to grab it, so hands, we're going to give you both feet and hands. She needs a guitar. Pastor needs a guitar. Now, did pastor get what she needed? The ear had to hear, the feet had to move, the hands had to do it, and we had to have an assist from another part in the body because they knew which was the right guitar to grab. Thank you all. You may be seated. Nice job, Elbow. Every part in the body is necessary. Now, in those last illustrations, there was a part of the body I never used. Never used the elbow, and I never used the bud. But there are moments where you'll be glad you got one. <laughs> That's I couldn't lean on this chair if I didn't have an elbow. See, every part's necessary. When you start looking around at faith builders and what God is doing, you might say, I don't know if I fit. You fit. You may not know where yet because you don't know who you are yet. So the first thing that has to happen is find out where you are in the body. Now, I'm going to share something with you. It might tip your world upside down. How many of you are familiar with the thing we call communion? Or for those of you ex-Catholics, the Eucharist. Right? You know, we all know what that is, right? Paul said, it's for this reason that many are sick and have died. Because they didn't rightfully discern the body. 
When you don't know who you are in the body of Christ, you're sick. You're on your way to death. I've heard people say, well, I can be a good Christian and stay at home. No, you can't. Who are you serving at home? You're not serving anybody at home. Now, for those of you watching by camera, get up and come to church. For those of you that can't, thank you for joining. We welcome you. But you can still find a way to serve from where you are. You call the church off and you say, what can I do to serve? You might have to send out a mailer. You might have to send out some emails. You might have to relay some other things. But you can find a place in the body to serve. Because if you don't, you get sick and you die. I've noticed this over the years. I've been with a lot of people on their deathbeds. I've watched a lot of people grow sick. And most of the time it's because they're out of sorts with God. Sometimes it's just because we live in a natural world. But in a natural world, healing's easy. It's when people are in rebellion that it gets tough. I'm going to give you a personal example from my own ministry. I used to tell my church, I said, Don't, you will not die on me. If anybody in this congregation thinks they're going to die, I will raise you from the dead and let the devil explain that. You're not dying. And we didn't have anybody die in our church. I mean, nobody died until one year. And it's that, not that we didn't have seasoned people in our congregation. But we just wouldn't let them go until it was their time. I won't even go into this story, but I'll relay it quickly. I had a gentleman, 85 years old. He came to me and he said, Pastor, I'm done. I just want to be with Jesus. I said, great, go. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, you just tell God I want to go home. All the patriarchs did. They called everybody around, blessed them all, and said, I, I'm out. So that's all you got to do. Two weeks later, I got a phone call from one of my elders. I said, Pastor, we've got a little bit of a problem. I said, what's that? He said, well, so-and-so passed away. I said, glory to God. They said, what? I said, well, yeah, he wanted to go be with Jesus. They said, then we really got a problem. I said, what's that? I said, well, you know how you've been talking about raising people from the dead? I said, yeah. And I said, well, the paramedics are here. He was dead. They called us. We prayed. He's alive. <laughs> said, I'll be right over. <laughs> See, they, they were missing a little bit of information the head had. They were missing just a little bit. They were doing what they thought they were supposed to do, but they were missing a little bit of information, just a little bit. And that little bit was he wanted to go be with Jesus. So I get there. He, here he is laid out on a gurney. The paramedics are there. <laughs> I went to the family and I said, are you ready to let him go? And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, he wants to go be with Jesus. We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. And they said, I didn't know that. I said, yep. They said, well, if that's what he wants, then, then we're okay with that. So I go over to the gurney where the paramedics are really baffled. And I take him by the hand and I prayed. I said, Father, your word says that precious in your sight is the death of your saints. Your word says that you just take their breath and they return to you said, Father, I now commend, and I used his name, into your hands. Amen. And as I said, amen, breathed his last, and he was gone. You talk about some really confused paramedics. They looked at me and said, what are we supposed to do? And I said, nothing. They said, well, CPR? I, mean, I said, no, no, nothing. He's gone. You can't bring him back now if you wanted to. So now we got the police involved, we got the coroner involved, we got every because I just killed a dude. <laughs> With just a little bit of information that was missing. I'm down in Denver, and I get a phone call that a woman in my church had passed away. So I fly home because I stopped praying for her nine months earlier. God told me, this is why she's sick. She's in open rebellion to me. I won't go into the details. 
So I confronted her nine months earlier. I said, God says you're in open rebellion. Hear me now. She was a graduate of our Bible class. She was the valedictorian of her class at, from our Bible college. And now she's dying of brain cancer. And I confronted her and I said, God said, you're in open rebellion. She says, I know and I'll never change. And I said, then I can no longer pray for you to be well. Because you have licensed the enemy. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And the word of God says you shall not suffer a witch to live. The enemy had a legal right, grounds, to go before the throne and say, I have a right to take their life. And in that moment, I flew home because I knew this, that people thought she was a real strong believer. She loved God with all of her heart. And she did love God, but she just wouldn't correct this area. It broke my heart because I knew what the end result would be. But I flew home. The reason being is I know that a story like that would destroy the faith of the entire congregation in a day. And so I preached on it that morning. She died on a Saturday. I preached on Sunday. And I said, here's why she died. And I just laid it out there. I said, I quit praying for her nine months ago. And I was like, oh, how, how come pastor's not praying for him? <coughs> and then when I shared it, it became obvious. And I said, I needed to share that with you so your faith doesn't fail. Your faith works. Your God works. His word is true. It's so true she died. Can you see that? The body of Christ coming together. Now, let's talk a little bit about trusting God. Okay? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. This is the second thing we've got to get down. Not only are we part of the body, but we've got to trust. We've got to trust one another. We've got to believe in one another. We should always be one another's greatest cheerleaders, if you will. You know, even when, you're, when, even when you blow it. You know, how many of you have ever had a child and they're in sports and they go out there and they make a total jerk out of themselves? You know, they just dorked up that play. You're still cheering them. Yeah, it's okay. You'll get them next time, right? But in the body of Christ... We kind of do this. Did you see what they did? I can't believe they're in leadership. No. Careful. That's the position they play. That's their part in the body of Christ. Listen, I watched the Cardinals this year. I'm not a Cardinal fan. I'm a Seahawk guy through and through. I come from Washington. Deal with it. I, I watched more Kyler Murray this year than I want to even admit. You know, he made some pretty screwed up plays. But nobody said, we got to get rid of him. That's the position he plays. And he's going to get better. Which I hate to say that, but he's going to get better. And when he gets better, he's going to play better. The team's going to play better. Why? Because one person can make the difference in the team. You just got to trust. What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? You want to read that to us? Here, take mine. Thank you. <laughs> we share everything. I know what it says. I just can't see it in here. Well, you can quote it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Yeah. Trust God. Well, if you know your place in the body of Christ, it's easy to trust. You're not threatened. There's no threat. Now, if I were to ask you, I don't want any hands raised, I don't want anything else, but how many of you, when you think of your place at Faith Builders, you know exactly where you're supposed to be? Don't raise your hand. Don't. Don't say, oh, I'm not sure, man. I'm just, I've been wrestling with that. Ah. Okay. Back up to step one. Find your place in the body. How do you do that? Practically, how do you do that? We have a saying that goes like this. We want easy on-ramps and graceful exits. You want to serve somewhere? Come on. We're going to put you to work. You may get there. A lot of people don't try anything because they're afraid they're going to get stuck there. 
I'm not doing that, man. I can't see myself doing that for the next 20 years. Well, you don't have to. Find out what you're good at, what you love. Go try it. And if you don't like it, there's a graceful exit. It's not a big deal. It didn't work. Right? Thomas Edison invented the light bulb after 10,000 tries. And they said, aren't you frustrated? No, I found 9,999 ways it didn't work. There's going to be a lot of things you're going to try that won't work. That's okay. Don't panic over it. But what if somebody leaves the church? That's okay. They wouldn't have stayed anyway. Paul said they went out from us because they're not part of us. Don't panic over that. It's going to happen. Any great organization has turnover. Why do you think McDonald's and Burger King and everything else are still recruiting? Hey, you might think of the leadership up there sitting at McDonald's headquarters. But guess what? They don't sell burgers. It's that kid that got his first job. He's out there slinging burgers. He's the one that's selling them. And there's a lot of turnover. They don't go, oh, no, they left. What are we going to do? I lost Johnny at station 5,942. <laughs> no, you just hire somebody else. Don't panic. It doesn't mean they're bad. It doesn't mean that they couldn't cut it. It doesn't mean that they didn't hear God. No, they just moved on. That's okay. Right? When it comes to the body of Christ, I think we all could do a better job. I, all of us could. How much time do we spend with the Lord weekly, daily? Those are questions we begin to ask. Sometimes we need partners. He needs me. Trust me. <laughs> she is my grounding and my cheerleader. She will cheer for me like nobody else and then remind me I still have to take out the trash. It's <laughs> a little humble. I don't care if you are an apostle. Take out the trash. <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about Habakkuk? Share with us vision. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 through 3. It says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and engrave it so plainly upon tablets that everyone who passes may be able to read it and easily and quickly as he hastens by. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, and it hastens to the end of the fulfillment. It will not deceive or disappoint. That's good. That's good. Um, Though it tarry, wait earnestly for it, because it will surely come. It will not be behind hand on its appointed day. I like this. When you read it in the King James, it's a little confusing. Got a vision, write it down. For though it tarry, it surely will not tarry. Wait a minute. How does that work? The Hebrew reads like this. You won't lose any time making proper preparation. So take time. Some positions are going to take a little more training. How many of you have ever had surgery? Okay. Quite a few of you have had surgery. Do you want the guy that's brand new out of med school? Depends on what the surgery is, right? I've got a pastor friend of mine right now that has to have a particular surgery. There's only five people in the nation that perform it. Only five that are qualified to do this. Now, there might be another heart surgeon, but do you want him performing it yet? No, I'll take one of the five that knows what they're doing. But out of those five, they had to start somewhere. And somebody probably died. In the church, it's no different. There's a vision. And when we're growing up into it, somebody's got to be the first one to make the mistake. Doesn't mean that they're not going to be a great surgeon. It's their part. 
But the vision is for an appointed time. There's a time. I told Pastor Barb, and I truly believe this, faith builders, that this is your season. The curtains are being pulled back. And God is revealing to you throughout this valley and throughout around that now is your season. Now is your time. I know what Pastor Barb carries on the inside of her, what she sees. And that means that everybody in this room is going to have to be a leader. In order to get it done, every one of you is going to have to lead in some way. If you just felt like you were sucking on lemons all of a sudden, don't worry. There will be time to grow into what God has for you. And you've got great leadership in this house that will do it. Now, I don't know all of the elders real well. I've not spent a lot of time with you. But I do know this. I know you've got a pastor that has vision that won't quit. When I've listened to Pastor Paul, I know that he's got a heart for people unlike many. He loves people. He would do anything for anybody to help them through. You can hear it in his preaching. You can hear it in what he has. He just loves people, and he so desperately wants them to know God. But there's an appointed time. I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you a key to vision that's so important. I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 16. We're going to try and get this wrapped up here. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Wait a minute. I thought our purpose was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Hear me very carefully when it comes to vision. There is one person that will get the vision for this house, one and one alone. Let me tell you how I know that. After pastoring for 40 years now, I was a lead pastor for about 25. And of that time, when I turned our church over to my son, we had a transition. And I was praying one day, and my son and I, we were painting our fence, and, and um, I just heard God say, you're going to turn the church over to him. And I thought, great. You know, my wife and I, we've been in ministry a long time. Um, what's going to take place? You know, I'm thinking 10, 15 years down the road. And I heard the Lord say, you're going to turn it over to him this fall. Excuse me? What do you mean this fall? He said, if you don't, you'll lose a generation in the city. My God, I'm not done. I'm, I'm only, I was 50 years old at the time. That's young. God, what do you mean? But we chose to obey. And that fall, we turned the church over to him. And like a faucet being turned off, I could no longer see the vision for the church. I'm telling you that because I've been there. And when you're used to the last 25 years hearing everything in God's direction, I want you to go here, I want you to go here, and I want you to go here. In a moment, and I mean a moment, the moment we laid hands on him and prayed, for him to take over the church, it was gone. And it was freaky. I wasn't hearing him now the way I had. Now, it didn't mean he wasn't trying to talk to me. I was trying to listen to him on a channel that had been cut off. I needed to change the channel of my receiver so I could hear what God was telling me now. Let me put it another way. In the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 added to the church in one day. You know what my message has been to the churches? We, we oversee a ministry called Destiny Vision International Ministries. 
Had it since 1996, started it then, won't go into the details, but I've been sharing with them, what would happen if God gave you 3,000 people in a day? What would you do? Are you ready for them? Are you prepared for them? And I would preach it at churches and I'd preach it to our pastors, about 100 churches, four continents, preaching, preaching, preaching. Beginning of 2021, 100 churches, right around 100 churches, just believe in God, believe in God. My wife and I are in the midst of transition. We knew God was moving us. We didn't want to go. Why? We hadn't quite hit that channel. Hadn't quite tuned into that channel yet that God's been trying to get to me for 10 years, 11 years. Finally, we decided we got to do something. We got rid of everything, sold everything, our house. We said, okay, God, you can direct, but we're going to have no ties here anymore. You have to understand, I'd lived there 62 years. Other than my time in the military, that was my home. So to leave was not on my radar. But we prayed, and we knew it was right, and we left. And when we left, we changed channels. We started to hear God on a different frequency, on the channel that he had for us. What had I been telling churches for years? What would happen if God added 3,000 to you in a day? I had it happen. Last October, my wife and I flew to South Africa. We're preaching at a pastor's conference. We had 1,926 pastors registered for that conference. I thought, wow, you get a chance to share the word, you know, with over 20, 25,000 people, minimum. So we go. We preached for four days after we were done. I went into the pastor's office and sat down with him, and he said, I need to ask you something. I said, okay. He said, we have an organization here in 39 nations on the continent of Africa. It's called the Platform International. He said, we're an organization of churches, and we know, we've known, and we've been praying for the last over 10 years that God would show us a man to lead us because we knew none of us were it. I said, well, I'll pray with you. And he said, no. When we heard you preach, we knew you were the one to do it. And I said, well, how many churches are you talking? He said, there's a little over 3,000. And I, I told him, I said, I don't know that I have the bandwidth for that. Now, what had I been telling all my pastors? What would happen if God added 3,000 to your church today? And what am I doing? I have a pastor sitting in front of me who said, we'd like you to lead 3,000 churches on the continent of Africa. And what's my response? I don't think I've got the bandwidth. <laughs> well, of course you don't, ding dong. It's not up to you. What made you think you could pull that one off anyway? <laughs> I would tell our pastors all the time, it's not up to you. You can't do that. It's the Holy Spirit's going to add it. Get out of yourself. Quit thinking about what you can do and see what God's able to do. So what do I do? I don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> Fortunately, my cheerleader and grounder said, I think we really need to consider this. We were just believing God for 15000 a month to survive with our 100 churches. My budget jumped from that to $1.5 million a month. It's offering time now. Everybody get ready. <laughs> no, this is our house. We don't come here for love offerings. We don't come here for that. This is our way to be a blessing to our house. Um, <laughs> But I'll tell you, it happened in one day. Pastor Barb was talking to me about it as soon as we got back. Why? She's my pastor too. I've got to be willing to hear the word of the Lord coming through her for our lives. 
But I thought, you walk in an apostolic, no, no. When you go into a house, that pastor has the authority. Okay? You submit your gift, your anointing, your call to them. That's how this works. That's what it's all about. How do we submit this? Let's go back to Acts 16 and we're done. Holy Spirit wouldn't let us speak the word in Asia. Sometimes Pastor Barbara's going to say some things and it might even sound like it's going contrary to what God had said. Wouldn't it sound like we want to preach the word and God said no. No, he didn't say don't preach the word. He said don't go to Asia. See, sometimes we get our signals crossed. He didn't say you can't preach. He said not there. Then what did he say? <laughs> and when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. I just want to preach. Not there. Didn't say you can't preach, just not there. Look at this verse, 9. And a vision appeared to whom? Everybody say it. A vision appeared to whom? Paul. Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision. Now who wrote the book of Acts? Who? No. Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Now, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, everybody say immediately. immediately. What's the word that follows immediately? We. Who had the vision? Paul, who wrote the book of Acts. Immediately, we, Luke and my companions, immediately we concluding that God had called us to the gospel to preach to them. We sought to go. We sought to go. Pastor Barb gets the vision. We decide to go. The head couldn't do anything over there by itself. She can have the best vision in the world. She can have the anointing of God on her life. And I promise you this, God will bring the right people into the house at the right time to make sure that she's revealed when the time is right so that now everything explodes. And you've got to be ready because this week when attendance goes up and the following week when it goes up and the following week and there's not enough room in this sanctuary that you say, you know what, we're going to have to go to two services. Okay, so you go to two services. Now hear me, don't make the mistake that many do. You want to find new buildings, new properties, new everything else because that's what we need to do to get more people. The day of the mega church is over. Because it quenches and squelches a move of the Spirit. Tongues and interpretation, the prophetic ministry, you don't hear anymore. Why? You can't afford to have 150 people come up to give a word. When you're running 10, 15,000 people, you just can't. It was by necessity that it was cut off. It wasn't because they didn't want to move of the Spirit. It's we can't have... Joe, that we don't know, come up and start prophesying about, oh, God, shut him up. Well, I've got a word from the Lord. Well, share it with the usher. Well, who's he to judge? The one I appointed. <laughs> right? But that's where we got. We got to that point. And I understand that I had some of the worst things ever show up in the name of prophecy. We just, ugh. It's like, dear God, shut them up. I physically had to shut a guy up one night. Well, more than once, but I mean physically shut them up. Take them out. That's a demon. We're not allowing that in here. But you're going to find churches between 250 and 500 and they're going to start planting campuses. Why? Because you can allow for the spirit to move. But listen, you can do two, three, four services Dr. Cho did eight on a weekend and could only get half his church in and they sat 30,000. I mean, think about that. But we can do it. We can do it here at Faith Builders. 
And this is the time to do so. We've got to hear from our pastor. We've got to hear the word. And we go. We don't debate it. We don't say, I, don't, you know, I think she's off her game. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, the moment you said that, you're off yours. Let's say she is off her game. What do we do? Moses was off his game. Aaron and her came along and held his hands up. Lifted him up. Said, watch us. Lift him up. And once that staff went up, they prevailed. So we don't say she's off her game. We say, Pastor, come on, let's go. We raise her hands. We make sure that she's got everything she needs to succeed. Amen. Amen. We're going to have the opportunity to give you some more tools in a little bit. Thank you for being such a good cheerleader. We saw this going a little bit differently in our head. It wasn't so much a co-preaching thing tonight as we thought. but I do have something to say, though. Please. Please. Okay. Um, when he was talking about, you know, how God gives the vision and gives direction to Pastor Barb, and then she goes and she shares that vision, and she will... You know, go to specific people and say, I want you to do this. The, the temptation sometimes for those of us that are receiving that direction from our leaders, whether it's Pastor Barb or she gives it to the elders and then the elders do, you know, however the, the process goes. Um, the temptation sometimes is for us in our flesh to think, hmm, I think there's a better way. But they go and say, well... Pastor Barb said she wants us to do this, and she wants us to be done this way. I think it'd be better done this way. But she wants it this way, so we're going to do it the way she wants it. What that's doing is that's undermining her authority. It's undermining her voice. And and it's just, you know, it's one of those things of the flesh that that we think that we have this great idea, and we just want to give our opinion and our idea. Well, your opinion wasn't sought. Your thoughts, your direction was not sought. And so that's when we say, yes, ma'am, yes, pastor, right away. That was one thing. The other thing I wanted to mention is when we were raising our children, we taught them this principle that delayed obedience is disobedience. And when he was talking about um, in, in Luke, when they saw it, you know, they, they heard the vision, they saw it, they ran, and they did it immediately, that... It's that same thing for us as adults or us wherever we are in our age. You know, I'm still young. We're all still young. Let's face it. You know, Melchizedek was, what, 969 years. So, or Melchizedek. So, you know, we're young. But, um, you know, that, that um, option or that, that thought of, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to take a minute and I'm going to think about it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and I'm going to seek God. No, if your pastor gives you direction and asks you to t- are you laughing? I'm sorry. It was the book of Acts and it's Methuselah, not Melchizedek. But I mean, we're, we're, we're on a roll here. <laughs> I make up my own story, so. <laughs> the points, though. They're great points. They're valid points. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. So anyway, delayed obedience is disobedience. So the moral of the story is when we are given direction, to do something, do it with a joyful heart and do it immediately. Don't delay, don't wait, do it immediately and do it to the best of your ability because you know that if Jesus were to appear and say, I need you to do this, you'd say, yes, Lord, and you'd be off and running. And so that's just what I wanted to encourage. Very good, very good, yeah. And one of the things when she said your opinion was not sought, it probably was, but you didn't show up to that meeting. right yeah yeah amen well thank you so much for allowing us just to share our heart a little bit tonight um we believe in 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 this church listen when i moved to phoenix when we moved to phoenix we have a lot of pastor friends in the area pastor bar will tell you we've got a lot of pastor friends and we could have ended up anywhere but in all the churches that we went to, just visiting friends, we weren't visiting trying to find a church. We knew God would direct us to where we needed to go. One of our friends in Phoenix was not Pastor Barb. But God directed us here. And after our second Sunday, we just continued to pray and we knew this was going to be home. 
So <clears throat> we, we asked Pastor Barb, can we just please meet with you? Uh, we're not trying to come in in, in anything other than be a support system and to help you and, and, and to love this, this house like our own and to love everybody that's here. You're all very special. You're necessary, and we're getting to learn your names. So if we don't have it, slap me upside the head. I'll get it. But we do love being here, and we love being a part of this house. So we want to thank you for welcoming us and just allowing us to be here. It's, it's an honor. So Pastor Barb, with that, I'm going to turn this back over to you.